1: put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop blinds.com right now and save up to 45%, up to 45% off for a limited time at blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: one FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts.
2: Pretty excited so I'm going to see. Um, it's a sold out show in Chesterfield at the Factory. Louis C.K. Oh, is that's going to be it. That's yeah. it, well, he's very funny. Well, he was canceled, you know, and then he came a couple of years ago. I can't remember exactly when it was, but he played a show at Westport Plaza at the Funny Bone, and I went to that, and it was really good. Yeah, that's it hard what to I get heard. tickets. But my my friend John Lynch, who is taking me to the show tonight snag tickets for this because it's sold out. You don't hear a lot about Louis anymore because he was canceled but he's still out there and that place holds I think 1,600, 1,700 people so that's that's Did pretty he, good crowd. He apologized, didn't he? That was, that was gross. Yeah, I mean, he apologized but also let's not forget like of... some of this was even I think people defended the behavior. I can't remember all of it. it was Some of it was masturbation in front of other uh-huh. women. Like wasn't Sarah Silverman involved in that or something? Uh, I can't remember. I think she wasn't. She even said <laughs> She even like defended it. Well, she's kind of weird too. But look, he's funny. He did some things that he's probably not proud of. I don't want to know about all that. But he's really funny. So we'll see what happens tonight. Have fun. I look forward to it. I do. Uh, We have a Reardon Roundtable tomorrow. Jane Duker, State Senator Nick Shore, Jeff Smith. Here's a topic we're going to probably dig into, and we have Beavis Shock with us, local attorney. This story that came out a couple of days ago about Kim Gardner's office, an employee alleging she was fired because she's white. Beavis, Happy New Year. How are you? Welcome back.
3: Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Hello, Sue, the grown-up in the room.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, there has to be somebody, and it's certainly not me. So this is a fascinating case. We went over the details uh, a couple of nights ago. Kind of refresh our memory on what's going on here with this particular lawsuit.
3: Sure. Uh, Our client is named Becky Getz. Becky has had a long history working in probation, parole, trying to help offenders get themselves straightened out. She took a job in the circuit attorney's office. That's the prosecuting entity for the city of St. Louis, not St. Louis County, but the city itself. And her job was something called diversion. So youth offenders, let's get them into some programs, get them straightened out, clean up their act, and they won't have a record. Uh, She's working there and doing fine. And she goes to this meeting and Tim Gardner was sitting right in the room and this fellow, Vic Martin, and a woman named Serena Wilson, particularly though Vic Martin, began attacking her for her color, essentially saying, you can't do your job because you're white. All you white people who work here are slave owners. Now, that is obviously discriminatory. Um, uh, it's it's important to understand that we have passed laws in this country commonly called Title VII. People have heard of the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. They enforce these laws. Mm-hmm. And the basic idea is that we're going to judge people individually, not uh, according to who, uh, what, what group they belong to. And uh, I guess the one person who should know the law would be the circuit attorney, Kim Gardner. So she keeps sitting there, he, he goes on and on. She brings somebody else in the room who continues it. We didn't sue him. Uh, and and then she takes a personal day the next day. At the end of the day, she finds out she is suspended. During the meeting, she pushed back a little bit, said, hey, you can't say this to me. I'm, I don't care what color anybody is. I'm doing my job. I'm doing my best. And, uh, and then uh, the next thing she knows, she's suspended and there's an investigation. And about a week later, they fire her. And we assert they fired her because of the color of her skin. And that is our claim.
2: Yeah, this is this is a fascinating case. And I think that the, you know, the dismissal in particular, because what what was the reason that was given for firing her? Was there? Well, she
3: never got a She never got a reason. And uh, she asked for a reason and none was given. And now keep in mind, employers do not have an obligation to give a reason generally. Uh that we have something in this country called employment at will, which means you can be let go for any reason except a uh, prohibited reason, one, of course, which is race, one of which is gender, one of which is national origin, uh, one of which I think we're getting into now, uh, orientation. Uh, so, so they, And there's something called a service letter. You're, you're, the listeners might have heard of a service letter. After a person gets let go, they can ask for a letter, and all the employer has to say is, Here's how long the person worked here. Here's what their title was. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. But it, it is proof that they, they had the employment position.
2: How, how do you prove this case? I mean, you, you obviously um, someone like you is going to take depositions. You're going to get people to testify whether or not it goes to trial in the end. That would be still determined. But you, w- wouldn't this potentially be a he said, she said?
3: Yeah, I mean, it depends on how they handle it. I mean, if they deny that all these things were said in the meeting, then we're going to have a jury observe Becky and observe these other people, and we'll see how it goes. And don't forget, there were about five or six people in the room. You, you can not forget that because you never knew it, but there were five or six people in the room, and they may well, one or two of them may well tell the truth. Uh, people get very scared when their job is on the line, and their, their testimony in this case could put their job on the line, but a lot of people care about the truth. They want to do the right thing, and so they tell the truth.
2: The um, the post-dispatch story said after the meeting, um, she sent text messages to another employee discussing how she was angry about the way she'd been treated. She mentioned she might be fired and would be contacting a lawyer according to the suit. So that, that would be someone who at least knows what happened in the aftermath, right?
3: Well, right, and 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 there's some rules about what a person can say about fellow employees. In other words, it can be— A dischargeable offense if Sue writes a bunch of texts that Mark Reardon is a big jerk and everybody hates him and uh, he's an unfair guy. Those have definitely uh, been sent
2: by Sue. I can promise you that. Uh,
3: Right. But the the point is, if the boss was to find out about that, the boss could say, that's disruptive. It's improper. Now, the other thing, the other side of it, though, is you say, if Sue writes, Mark has been. uh subjecting me to harassment. I'm thinking about getting a lawyer. I'm worried I'm gonna get fired. That's all protected speech, mm-hmm. you see, because that's fighting discrimination. And this is a hypothetical, right? We're, we're
2: this didn't really no, happen. No, I get it. A good right. guy. We, Mark, we Mark think. Wouldn't. We hope. <laughs> but what um what are you what's the remedy here then? What are you asking for? Well of course
3: uh what the law system, the legal system has to offer is money. And uh so that's what we sue for. Uh, we, we go through this in these jury trials when the public says, oh, all you want is money for the bad things that happened to you. Say, well, that's kind of the thing that we get, and it's the way we resolve problems. So money is what it is about, including the attorney fee, I might add.
2: Yeah. Uh, Beavis, thank you. I, I find it fascinating. I mean, the timetable on this is still yet to be determined, right? There's not even a hearing schedule, so it could, could oh, take we're a while. just we're
3: just right. Now, now, the federal courts work pretty fast, though. So I would say within two years, we'll have a trial. That's course. fast in legal time. Yeah, it is. My wife jokes around about legal time. It's slow process. <laughs> it's not like uh, it's it's uh, two two years is considered fast. No, I get Sometimes that. Sometimes there's a, an appeal in the middle of that. So you add a year for that.
2: Unbelievable. Beavis Shock, thank you for the details. Keep us posted on this one, Beavis. Thank you. I certainly will. Good All to right. talk to you. Bye-bye. Take care. That, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah,
4: it I'm is. He most, laid it out.
2: To... Yeah, I'm most curious about that. I just wonder how you how you document that in in a way. But like he said, well, if my, my guess is they're going to settle. Okay, let's say the 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 lawyers will say, look, this is going to be bad, and if you take it to a jury and she comes off as credible, then you're going to get your, you know, your settlement handed gonna go to up. you. Yeah, exactly. Here's an interesting case. Let me get into a different. Case. I had not heard about this yet. This took place in Illinois. The story was in the Washington Post. I sent this to Jane today because I, I wanted her opinion of it. Uh, two paramedics. Medics were supposed to help Earl Moore Jr. last month as he endured hallucin- hallucinations sorry, brought on by alcohol withdrawal. Instead, they killed him, authorities said. So listen to the details of this. Police officers were the first to arrive. This is in Springfield, Illinois, on December 18th. They got a call from a man in distress. They found Moore lying in his bed, incoherent but not in immediate danger. They radioed for paramedics to provide medical help. Peggy Finley, 44, Peter Cadigan, 50, both emergency medical technicians with the private company Lifestar Ambulance Service got there 15 minutes later. It was about 2.20 in the morning. They get there. Finley and Cadigan strapped this guy face down to a gurney. They loaded him into their ambulance. They drove him to the hospital. Less than an hour later, he was dead. Okay. On Tuesday, the Sangamon County prosecutor announced that the EMTs have been charged with first-degree murder. First-degree so murder. So the guy who, you know, lopped off the torso of the... The woman in 2004 who's now been busted from Maryland Heights, he's charged with second-degree murder. This is a first-degree murder case. So the coroner declared Moore's death a homicide, determining it was the result of paramedics strapping him face down on the gurney and causing him to suffocate through positional asphyxia. That was the term that was used. Well, I've never seen somebody strapped in face down. I never have either. And what the story says is with their training and experience, Finley and Canagan knew that trapping Moore, this is again how the Washington Post frames it, in a prone position would create substantial probability of great bodily harm or death, according to the state's attorney, Dan Wright. They face 26 years in prison. Peter Wise, an attorney who represented the EMTs at a bond hearing, says that neither has a criminal history. They're not a danger to others. These are two good people that find themselves in a very odd criminal case. What would
4: their uh, motive be, you know? Well,
2: wouldn't you need one in first yeah, degree murder? Yeah, I, I would really think that you would. That's why I bring that up. A little bit more background here. In the early morning hours of December 18th, when he called 911, um, this is all, according to body cameras, this is what happened. You had three Springfield Police Department officers. They get there at about 2 in the morning. Um, A woman who answers the door tells the officers that she started renting the place and immediately said that despite the information they have received, no one in her house had guns. I guess there was a call that maybe there were guns involved. So this guy, Mr. Moore, was a severe alcoholic, but he hadn't had a drink in four days. So he's going through withdrawal. And because of that, he's seeing things and it's a bad situation. He's seeing and hearing things that are not there. She says he was not violent. One of the officers asked if she thought that he needed assistance. I, uh, assistance, I think he needs help. Yes. So the cops go into the house. They walk into the living room, they enter the back room where he's on a bed. Now it's 2:07. There's ambient music that's playing. You can see this from the body cams. One of the officers try to engage this guy, and he's not responsive. Thirty seconds later, the lead officer says, "Let's call an ambulance." So, for the next 11 minutes, they kept trying. You know, he's he's breathing and everything, but he's not communicating and they're trying to talk to him they're asking him simple questions like identify the president of the united states interestingly that question might be a challenge for the actual president of the united states but that's a different story Uh, they didn't get much out of him and the body camera shows all this during that time he's moaning He's rambling. He even rolls off the bed. He, he rolls onto well, the floor. Well, I'm
4: wondering then if, if their story, and I'm not saying, I, I would just be interested in what they say because I, I wonder if they kind of rolled him on well, and here's he what happened. Okay. ended
2: up on his stomach and they didn't change it. I'll tell you as much as I know. Finley enters the room when all this is happening, after he rolls off the bed. That's one of the paramedics. This is Earl. The lead officer told her, haven't been able to get much out of him. Finley goes to Moore and asks him his birth date. He doesn't respond. So the uh, the, the EMT starts yelling at him, Earl, sit up, sit up. Then she drags him several feet before repeatedly ordering him to sit up. When he didn't, she kept yelling. I'm not playing with you tonight, she hollered before disengaging. For the next several minutes, officers tried to coax him to stand up and walk to the front of the house. When that failed, they pulled him up by his arms, supporting him as they led him through the kitchen, living room and out the front door. Cadigan, that's the other EMT, was waiting just off the front porch with the gurney. Officers helped Cadigan place more onto it. I'm not sure why they're not charged with murder. Uh, noticing he was hanging off slightly, Cadogan lifted him up and dropped his limp body back down onto the gurney. Finley wrapped a blanket around Moore, then both strapped him into the gurney as he lay face down. They took him into the ambulance. At 2.26, they lifted him into the back. 48 minutes later, he was pronounced dead at the hospital. And the comparisons that people are making, for example, and you might understand how this would happen, is to George Floyd. So Teresa Haley, who is the president of the Springfield chapter of the NAACP, um, says this is very comparable. It's almost worse. She says, but the body cam footage shows more struggling to breathe and they didn't do anything. So I, I still think there's a ton of facts missing from this particular case. But a first degree murder charge shocked me in this in this situation. Well, when she said, Earl, I'm not
4: playing with you tonight, it sounds—that sentence sounds as though she ha- is familiar with him or has been out there before, doesn't it? And, well, maybe and, not because
2: the officer—the first thing that the officer says is he he says, this is Earl. I have oh, not been I able to—so that, that's how she knows, and, and she starts saying Earl. And I, I don't know—you know, if you read that quote in the way that it's really framed in the Washington Post article, it sounds like she's being angry and mean and not professional— Maybe she's just—I don't know. Frustrated. I, I, maybe she's just trying to get him, you know? Hey, wake up, snap out of it. So that's, she's yelling. That's—I don't know. I don't either. And it also—I
4: can't imagine that those two went there to try to kill him. It sounds as though, uh, you well, know, that that, that okay, wasn't yeah. their goal. But um, no, right so have to be unfortunate. Okay,
2: let's go into the. This is where we need Brad. Young. Yes, we do. Maybe we'll have to have him back tomorrow. Um, in most states, first degree murder is defined as an unlawful killing that is both willful and premeditated, meaning that it was committed after planning or lying in wait for the victim. Right. That doesn't th- That's fit what I all. mean.
4: And so I, I, I can't imagine that would work. Second degree I can see if, if they, you know, put him on his stomach and knew that was bad and they are EMTs. And they knew that was dangerous. So well, because that's it says not good.
2: The elements of first-degree murder, and I think we've all kind of known this. I'll just recap here: willfulness, deliberation, deliberation here, and premeditation. What would the premeditation be? I, uh, the only thing I can think of is that they knew it wasn't bad
4: when he put, you know, when they put him on that, and then left him that way for forty-eight minutes. Maybe yeah, they premeditated yeah. by knowing it was bad and then not doing anything. But uh, this will be interesting.
2: I'm going to send this to Fred because I don't think I mentioned this one to him and see if we can get Brad um, on this because I find that case interesting. And, you know, like anything else, um, I think there's details that are certainly missing that might be able to paint a more complete picture. But that does not seem like a George Floyd case in any way, shape or form to me. It seems very different. So we'll keep a track on that one. 523 at St. Louis' home for conservative talk. Johnny Holzen. He's the founder of the Well Hungarians. They're in their 20th year here in St. Louis. Wow. He's a dear friend, but here's the deal. I barely see him anymore. This was the only way for me to see him. I invited him in in person. He's coming in. They're playing the the Armory um, tomorrow night. So we're going to give you a preview of that.
3: T-Mobile has
2: invested billions
3: to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.
2: Well, we're almost to the weekend. That means tomorrow there will be a Reardon Roundtable. Jane will be here, former state senator. I'm sorry, I almost put him into the former state senator category. Jeff Smith is the former state senator. Uh, current state senator, Nick Schroer, will be here. We'll talk entertainment with Paul Hall tomorrow. Mr. Cusimano will be with us as well. And as we take into the weekend, Matt Pauley will be with us. Also from the KMOX side, we have the winter warm-up coming up and the winter caravan. You know, the big news today was Matt Holiday was... Um, appointed the bench coach late last year. We had Matt on the show in December talking about the Tree of Hope campaign, and he was fantastic. And today they announced that he's no longer the bench coach. He just decided that family commitments were more important. I don't know if there's anything more to it. Maybe there is, but that was one of the breaking stories of the day. By the way, as you head into the weekend, if you do not have entertainment plans, I have something for you to do at the uh, the Armory, which I've heard is spectacular. Our buddy Alex Rich has been there, and he's played um, some guitar there. Johnny Holzam, who is the founder of the Well Hungarians, and if I'm not mistaken, it is their 20th anniversary year, 2023, is with me here in the studio. How many years now? 30th. 30th. Oh, I did yeah. the math wrong. Oh, yeah. 30 years. 30 years, Holy yeah. cow. Very I'm cool. sorry that I insulted you that no, way. No, it's okay. How okay. are you, John?
5: Brother, I'm great, man. I, uh, I still love every second of what we get to do for the wonderful people of uh, the midwest and music is uh it it feeds the soul man and uh you can't get happy after that
2: well let's let's just talk a little bit here about because i have to give you a little grief first of all what the hell is coming out of the back of your head right now
5: <laughs> i've never my dad was a barber okay i didn't know that yeah i went to a barbershop downtown st louis wow actually, in the old bell building really yeah and i've never ever had long hair it's always been the way you have it or the way you used to see me right and in uh, april 1st of 2019 i thought you know what this is the last haircut i'm gonna see how long I can go. i haven't had a haircut since then man zero and you know that's four years almost oh, oh yeah. my goodness and I, I i'm believe me i've been sick of it for quite a while now and i think we uh, can
2: cut it off right now <laughs> I, got I think no Sue problem. I, will, I will do it for you right now
5: <laughs> well you know they, they have those charity things like uh um you know, the locks yeah, for love, yeah, yeah. that stuff. And I, I think I'm going to do that. Uh, the good people at, uh, at Helen Fitzgerald's do a thing every year.
2: Uh, St. Baldrick's. And, That's it. Uh, yes. Yes, yes, right. I think
5: I'm well, gonna... that will be
2: perfect for you. By the way, and I, I have to apologize because I, ha- I was going to surprise you. I know you played Helen's a couple of Fridays ago, and mm-hmm. I had it on my list of trying to swing by and see you, and I apologize for that. But John and I go well back, way back. Uh, I don't even remember exactly how we met, but we started becoming uh, concert dates for one another because one that's of the... sweet exactly. it is why well, I, I like country music and the Well Hungarians are all about country music and that's, you should give some background about the band, but when I have some country needs, my wife's not quite into that. One of the funniest things that happened is, this was only a few years ago, maybe it's the last show we went to, I call them and I'm just going to, I'm comfortable with all the embarrassing things that well, happen in my life, right it doesn't matter. Ahead. I'm like, John, I kind of want to see Shania. <laughs> and I, I had seen Shania back in the day twice and I love, I, really she's a great performer. I mean, you can say what you will, and there is a lot of country music that that I do like and you know we may have dated at one point too but uh, (laughs) she came to Enterprise a few years ago and we were what two of maybe 50 men in the entire building oh oh yeah the Uh odds were
5: great the odds were great
2: that's hilarious but she was amazing she was she's surprisingly
4: small isn't she yeah because I've met
2: her and I thought, she's so
4: tiny. People don't look that small when you see you know, them out and about.
2: It was funny. I, I just shared this story. Remember, I was talking about Mike Del Judas from Billy Joel's band. And when we were, when Billy came that one year, I don't know if I told you about this, um, We and I can't remember this guy's name, but the bass player for Billy was backstage and we were just, my, my buddy Fitz and I were talking to him, hey, he, you know, who you played with over the years, and he played for Shania. And he played with her when I saw her back in, in the 90s. And I said, yeah, I saw you at Summerfest. And he goes, oh, Summerfest. You know Summerfest, John, right? Mm, huge music yeah. festival yeah. in Milwaukee right there on the lake. And even though Milwaukee is right there and it's cooler than St. Louis during the summer. It still gets pretty hot, you know, in the thick of summer and Summerfest is right there at the end of June, the beginning of July. And he told me that she, now you can say this is her work ethic or professionalism, that she made them do a full rehearsal before the show. So let's say the show's at eight o'clock or nine o'clock. They did a full show middle of the day, not just a sound check. And it was blazing hot. Oh, my Lord. And I said something like, he was careful. I said something, man, I didn't even think anyone would ever do that. And his response was simply, well, it depends who you're working for. <laughs> so I think that Shania may have laid the law down pretty harshly. on, And that was in the 90s? Yeah, before that was late she had the voice Well, no, issues? it was,
4: yeah, this I'm is when thinking, she was at the peak. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking maybe she wasn't sure of her voice and she wanted it. Okay.
5: Well, the outcome certainly showed... Uh... When we saw her, I mean, if, they, if she has that kind of work ethic, yeah. I mean, her show was impeccable. It was wow. a, production was great, and uh, she sounded amazing.
2: I'm going to talk about your band here again in a second, but I want to bring us together on something that I thought was interesting today. Sure. Yeah. Um, John, and I went and saw John Fogarty several oh, years ago cool. together, and this is interesting. I don't know if you saw this today. He tweeted this out, I, I retweeted this. John Fergri said, as of this January, I own my own songs again. This is something I thought would never be a possibility. After 50 years, I'm finally reunited with my songs. I also have a say in where and how my songs are used. Up until this year, that is something I never have been able to do. That's amazing, isn't it? And And I think he's not the only artist of that era who has had that challenge, but I guess he worked something out. He explained it in a Twitter thread, and he's he, got control. And now he gets to do, like, if they want to buy him for commercials or whatever oh, the case sure. may be, he's got the rights he, he,
5: now. He was, he was sued for plagiarism for sounding too much like himself. There's Are no, you kidding no, me? No, no, no kidding. After CCR split, and he wrote an album, a solo album. He was sued by the owners of the CCR music, for sounding too much like CCR, given that he wrote all of that stuff in the first place.
2: It's just ludicrous. He had a great book out. I interviewed John several years ago, and he was fantastic. And I'm, you know, it's funny, because with, with CCR, and this has happened, I don't know if it's ever happened with you, there were bands in the in the 70s that I I just didn't CCR is a band I just didn't get I didn't connect it I'm like I don't know that I really like this but then Blue Moon Swamp came out in 1994 from Fogarty one of his solo albums it won a Grammy it was an excellent record and I loved it and then I went back I'm like okay wait a second like Fogarty let's listen to CCR and I became a huge fan so and and what they did it was 69 he put out three records in one year I think
5: well the stuff that we saw him perform that day at uh, I think it was at the Fox Where it was at the Fox yeah, yeah that was I think that was specific to a year wasn't that I think the tour was even it called was, like it 1969. Was about 69. Yes, yeah.
2: he featured right, they did a lot of storytelling. You
5: know, you talk about that. licensing with his music being able to do what he wants, with all of these big artists that are selling their catalogs, their entire catalogs, That's and making you know smart for a lot of them, but they're also maybe not thinking this through that once they sell their catalog, their songs are going to get used by whoever well, owns it. Right, right. Good example this past week was Dr. Dre with uh, one of the senators who used his music in one of her little TikTok videos, and he said, "Don't use my music." Well, he announced—I think it was today—that he announced that he's selling his entire catalog. Oh, uh-huh. but he waited till after she confirmed that By she would way, never use I, his music. Can I music just ask again.
2: a real, a real serious question about Doctor? What the hell does he need to sell his catalog for? He's got a billion dollars, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Just from Beats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, good for him. And he's—if you've never seen the uh, the documentary that was on HBO with Jimmy Iovine and Doc, it's outstanding. It, yeah, it's it great. is okay. phenomenal. And one of the greatest things about that is, in, and I think every kid and every lazy kid in America should, should follow and watch that because Jimmy and I can't do this verbatim, but Jimmy Iovine tells a story about getting called in the early 1970s to a studio with, I think it was Paul McCartney because I think the Beatles had broken up at the time and he had, had an opportunity to, to work on, on a record. Jimmy Iovine, famous producer, mm-hmm. Stevie Nicks, Petty, you, Springsteen, you name it. But this is early when he was nobody and he was trying to create a name for himself and work in the industry that he had a passion for and he um, was told by the people he was working with to show up on an Easter Sunday. All right? And he goes home and he tells his mom, mom, I got to work. He's, and his mom's like, no, 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 Italian Catholic. No, you are not going. Mom, I got to work. Well, he feels in retrospect that it was a bit of a test to see what his commitment was. He showed up that oh. Sunday morning mm-hmm. and his life might have been very different because of not? that. But um I don't even know how I started that story. We were Just talking a about great documentary, yeah, that. Yeah, that is a great documentary. Yeah, you should certainly. see that. You know, the music scene and I'm was particularly worried about people like you. I have a fair amount of professional musicians that I'm friends with, but you know this, John. I reached out to you in the aftermath of the pandemic and said, dude, are you all right? Because a guy like you who has basically run a corporation with your band for now 30 years, you're playing gigs all over the the region. The well Hungarian Sue, I don't know how familiar you are with Here, here's one way I could put it in perspective. And this is annoying as all get out i go to a show with this guy like shania is a good example right and all these people see john Hull. oh aren't you the well and ah, rock star that's true It ha- but it does it yeah. happens a lot because yes. and this is to your credit because you've been so active in playing these gigs and, and humping it for three decades now well, right thank
5: you yeah. yeah that's very cool to acknowledge that mark I, you know the the one of the biggest pride, points of pride for me is that this entire 30 years of well hungarians it's been non-stop it's 200, 250 shows a year, nonstop. With That's the exception incredible. of when, when, but then
2: that kind of brings me to COVID because that—that right. that was my point. You're doing all this, and and you were you were cruising, really good in a good spot, and sure. then that just whacked you upside of the head, right?
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and certainly, you know, I, with a lot of people, not just my industry, but. With musicians who, uh, our, our job is from our soul quite a bit. Of course, you don't want to use your head from the business side, but it's from the soul. When you strip that away from uh, all the musicians worldwide. Yeah, that's tough. And it was months before a lot of musicians got back t- to it. Uh, mm-hmm. So for someone who did it, has done it full time, the way that we do, uh, to all of a sudden have that just cut out of you, you're kind of looking at the ceiling going, uh, "Lost? W- what? You're lost. Yeah. And uh, for me and a lot of other guys and gals, it was a time of not reflection, but you know, maybe to analyze what's going on in your life, where mm-hmm. you are in your life, where you are in your career. And From person to person, that that was probably a good thing.
2: Yeah, I can say that there were, I think think we can all kind of look back and say, what were the positives? Because you kind of have to, you have to grab. And there were some things certainly for me over the last couple of years that I can come back and say, okay, maybe maybe this is a a good thing. But I can relate with you because if somebody would say to me after doing only this for my entire career that you can't, you know, pandemic comes along, you can't talk on the radio. Instead, they just forced me to do the show for a year from my house. But that's better than not being able to do it, (laughs) You're right? right, you're right. But you're okay now. You're playing a lot of gigs. Let's talk about the armory tomorrow night. I've not yes. been there. I heard it's really it's cool. It's awesome. You were there for, didn't we have our station party Yeah, there? we did. That's when
4: I was there. The place is huge, though. Where are you going to be?
5: There's a massive stage. The stage is about 65 feet wide. I'm not exaggerating. This, you could fit four or five bands <laughs> oh, on this stage oh at the God. same time. Oh. Um, and it's on the, I guess it would be the west wall Okay, of, Yeah, of yeah, building.
4: yeah. I've seen it. It's huge. Okay. There's a
5: massive uh, television screen behind there. Yes. 60, 65 foot big massive television oh, screen cool. as well. Yeah.
2: i got to play a little music here in the background. The harmonies are always great with the Well Hungarians so right. try to head out tomorrow. Are you playing playing um, one of the other things you do quite a bit. I know this maybe a couple months away, but you play the wineries and a lot of outdoor shows, right? We love the outdoor shows, man. And a cool thing with the outdoor shows, uh, aside from just the
5: aesthetic of being outside and, and nature, is it's more families can come to those. And we love seeing the kids come and get them acclimated, get yet another generation of kids into the world of Hungarian music. Uh, and that happens mostly at your, your outdoor, your wineries, or just your uh, roadside cafes and uh, you know the fairs and festivals, of course. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of
2: that. So what what's going on musically in your world? What are you listening to personally right now? I thought it was pretty cool. I highlighted this yesterday, this Eric Church tour. He's basically put together his own little music festival for um, dates across the country, including the amphitheater here with a big lineup of great artists that are Certainly. you know, and John I think you, you can relate with this with the style of music you do and you do some traditional country, but there's there's southern rock country, there's a lot of different subgenres.
5: They're absolutely. I mean, to do ne, like neo-traditional country, like say George Strait mm-hmm. does, um, there's still a big call for that. But country in the past, certainly twenty years, ten years, there have been. I don't know. Divisions are the correct. No, way to there say. have been. Oh, I, think, that's I fair. think it's fair. The, but, Sue
2: used to work in country radio, so mm-hmm. she's got a lot of country background as well.
5: And uh, you know, I, I have no problem with uh, a new generation bringing in their music at all. Of course, it, that keeps the, the industry going, keeps it fresh. Um, but I just I've never been one to to like to just throw out traditional stuff or the southern country or um, you know.
4: Uh, I love that stuff. Yeah, and yeah, that's you, why
2: that's kind of why I like what because I think Eric Church is more of a southern rock guy. You know, he's got a little bit more twangy country songs too. And he's a great performer, but Whiskey Myers is a is an outstanding, like, roots southern country band. Jelly Roll is a fascinating story as he's kind of gotten into more country. Laney Wilson, um, L. King who's an interesting um, choice also because Certainly. she's crossed over. And then did you see on this particular date when he's playing here in St. Louis and the rest of this, they're calling it the Outsiders Revival Tour. He's got Travis, Travis Tritt. Travis yes. I love it. Yes. We did a show with Travis. Which by the way, uh, maybe by that's by... where you're inspired for your hair, John. Wait, <laughs> let him
4: tell me the Travis Tritt story,
5: please. Oh, it's It's been about 15 years ago, I guess. Ten, we did a show with Travis up in, uh, in Quincy. And um, first nice of all, skin. just amazing. I mean, the, that voice, it, the man sounded like he had... 80 years of experience when he was 24, okay, and that, and that voice. But uh, great guy, treated us wonderful, as most of the people that we've done shows with over the years. Um, and I'm just anxious to see him because he's been doing a lot of uh, just solo, sitting acoustic guitar
2: on a nice. chair thing. Um, for the past yeah, decade. It sounds like he's going to be full band. But this is going to be full band. Yeah, yeah. rocking and rolling. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, John Holzen. Well, thank God I got to see you. It was the only way is the Booker Radio interview with the rock star because you can't pin him down ever. But you know I love you, and I'm I'm just so glad you're out there playing in the Armory show tomorrow night. Anything else you want to promote coming up?
5: Well, just with uh, the Armory a little more, there's no uh, no charge to get in. Oh. There's, there's a couple dozen different games, uh, big you know games that they have available for you to play. Uh, I think it was uh like sixty five, not sixty five, much bigger than that. The the size of the the bars that you can, uh, where you can get drinks. Uh, I'm gonna rattle off a few things yeah, here. You
2: sent me a little news release. Thirteen this, right? bars.
5: Yeah. Two hundred fifty thousand square feet. Jeez. Stage is sixty two feet wide. Seven large TVs. Ninety total TVs, and then they've got that massive something you'd see at at Bush Stadium size screen uh 10 private event spaces 20 different interactive games for you to play everything from paddle pong and cornhole and washers and that stuff
4: Yeah I've played paddle pong you got to play Yeah It's fun What's that it- It's just like a giant ping pong with these giant wooden paddles. It's everything supersized. But if you haven't seen the armory and what they've done, uh, you've got to get down there anyway, so you might as well see the fabulous music while you're there. It'll
5: blow your mind what they've done to this place. It, it, I've, it, I've heard that,
2: and I had plans uh, when we had our little holiday gathering a few weeks ago, I took my daughter to the Fox that night to see Elf the Musical, which was a terrible mistake because it was awful, and I wish we would have gone to the armory, but I, I i mean to get down there and that whole area is really impressive. We, yeah. I've heard several people make the comment you know, even looking at the soccer team, it feels like we're in a real city.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a good we are point,
4: so man. mean to ourselves. Well, we are mean to ourselves, I, I, but let's face it. It's, and
5: it's continuing to grow too. Even within the armory, they they have food now, but they're they're going to be opening up other spaces within that building, uh, additional restaurants, and it's just a matter of uh, time that that building isn't full. Uh, and I love seeing the, the continued growth in uh, in the city of St. Louis. Me too. I'm going to come back and talk with you about our 30th anniversary show for later this
2: year. Oh, sometime. please do. Okay. Please do keep me posted. It. And then when you cut that thing off the back of your head, we can help you raise money too, John. All right? God bless you. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Good to see you. Happy New Year. We
3: get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.
2: All right, audio cut of the day coming up. In um, God bless the Biden administration, they are supplying us with, with ample opportunities for choices for audio cut of the day. But let me let me swing a couple other pieces of audio in that I have not been able to. Uh, this might be ambitious, but I'm going to do it anyway. This one would have been a potential audio cut of the day. There's a lot being said right now about Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff because McCarthy is keeping them off the House Intelligence Committee, to which I say yes. But on the – and and he says on Schiff he openly lied about the Russian election interference because he did, right? And then on Swalwell, who has been controversial, this was fascinating because there's been some criticism of this. But here's what McCarthy said earlier today on that topic. I
0: was very clear early on – Let me phrase something very direct to you. If you got the briefing I got from the FBI, you wouldn't have Swalwell on any committee. And you're going to tell me other Democrats couldn't fill that slot. He cannot get a security clearance in the private sector. So would you like to give him a government clearance? You asked me questions about Santos. You asked the questions about Swalwell. Not only was he getting a clearance, he was inside an Intel committee. He had more information than the majority of all the members. Did you ever raise that issue? No. But you should have. You're going to tell me there's 200 other Democrats that couldn't fill that slot, but they kept him on it? The only way that they even knew it came forward is when they went to nominate him to the intel committee. And then the FBI came and told the leadership then, he's got a problem. And they kept him on that jeopardized all of us.
2: Yeah, that there with Kevin McCarthy being tough on that. I like that answer about Swalwell and uh, and Schiff. So, I was going to get into this earlier. I figured you'd have an opinion of this. This is an argument that took place on the Missouri House floor because remember how um, I think it was Ann Wagner yesterday talking about the dress code rules and oh, how yeah. right. So, last week Close when they were doing shoes. when they were doing the vote on the floor of the House for McCarthy, there were no rules because they hadn't passed the rules. So, things that were allowed uh, not allowed in the past, were allowed even dress code wise or having a phone or something like that because they didn't have any rules. But this happened in Missouri yesterday. There were some Republican members of the House that were trying to instill a dress code that would not allow women to bear their arms. You know
1: what it feels like to have a bunch of men in this room looking at your top, trying to decide whether it's appropriate or not? Thank you. Are we going to have um, Dana be checking our, our um, tags for whether it's a, a knit blend or a polyester blend or... A silk count. I mean, this is this is ridiculous, lady. You're right, it is ridiculous. It is absolutely so. Why are you doing it that we even have to talk about it on the house floor? I agree. So, why did you bring it chamber. up? Why should we talk about something like this? It is absolutely ridiculous. You would you think you brought this you would to would the think, floor, lady. You, you tell think, me, you would think that all you would have to do is say dress professionally and women could handle it. You would think. Elected officials. Could handle that, you would think, but no, we're, we're walking around men, here in sequence and men, to the lady's point. So, what is appropriate, and why do you get to decide? We need Thank to you need to get over the sequence.
2: Oh, I'm gonna side with the Democrat on this one. I'm just gonna tell you right now. So, that was um, Ashley Owen, who is a Democrat, and Ann Kelly was the one that was trying. What, Wait, which on.
4: one was which? Who was arguing for why are you looking at my uh, outfit? That was the
2: Democrat. Okay, yeah, I am pro right. her so, on right, this. she She was, look, they're wasting time. It's, it's just, ridiculous. I understand that you have to have some level of decorum, by the way, and I don't know if was the Republican or the Democrat, but one of those women who was arguing in that particular moment because I saw the video, was wearing the worst pantsuit and jacket combination. So you want to have your jackets and not bare your arms, but let's wear something that looks at least fashionable. Let's do this here this afternoon. That is a terrible (laughs) thing to say.
3: what the matter with you? Now, the audio cut of the day. Oh,
2: Sue, if you would see the oh. outfit that they were wearing, you would agree with me wholeheartedly. No, I do not care. She can wear what she wants. Oh, well, I would prevent that from being worn again. <laughs> Here you go, Merrick Garland saying, okay, we found something on November 4th Biden wasn't supposed to have. Then they discovered something on December 20th. Now we got another discovery, so we've got a trifecta of classified documents, so I got to, even though I didn't want to do this, appoint a special prosecutor. Earlier
3: today... I I signed an order appointing Robert Herr a special counsel for the matter I've just described. The document authorizes him to investigate whether any person or entity violated the law in connection with this matter. The special counsel will not be subject to the day-to-day supervision of any official of the department, but he must comply with the regulations, procedures, and policies of the department.
2: So that was the announcement this morning. We had the White House briefing with KJP, and of course, we have... uh... (laughs) do see in the press room coining I think he's coined a term here and in its an appropriate term if I can find the proper but here it is
3: Thank you Corrine. another one on garage gate there it is <laughs> what is the White House trying to hide nothing someone gave the president a statement to read on Tuesday that was incomplete at best misleading at worst who
1: so i have read out the president's statement i have read it out yesterday and what he said he said that he will, he respects or he takes classified information and documents very seriously that's what he said he said that he did not know that the, the records were there he does not know what's in them he said that you heard from him directly on this and his team has been cooperating fully fully and not only that, again, I'll say this, the attorney general said this himself, that he heard from the team shortly after. So we have laid out, laid out uh, what has occurred here. You've heard from the White House counsel. Uh, I just read the statement uh, from uh, from his lawyer. And again, uh, you know, we take this very seriously and the president does as well.
2: All right, so if you had, we take this very seriously in a drinking game, you would be, Passed out drunk right now. KJP, poor P- KJP, she had a rough day in the press room today. It's going to give us plenty to talk about on the Reardon Roundtable tomorrow at 3. We'll talk to you then.
0: Get more at 971talk.com.